I'm leaning towards I'm leaning towards either Heather's or Bull Durham. Ooh, I've, I have not seen Bull Durham. Um, I have seen Heather's. Uh, those are very different vibes. Yes. But I think also <laughs> both good movies, so I don't think you can go wrong there. You're listening to Love Ya, your guided tour through the wide and wonderful world of streaming teen cinema and rom-coms. I am your co-host, Martha Sullivan, library manager and currently snowbound. And I am here, as always, with my co-host. I'm Maren Higman, adult services librarian and rom-com enthusiast. Uh, and we are here today to talk about the... What year did this come out? Uh, I think... 2021. Yeah. The 2021 limited series uh, Starstruck, currently available on HBO. Uh, and we, I'm just going to put this right up at the top. We are going to be getting into this show. I was able to watch all of it. So oh, as far as I'm concerned, all of it is um, up for discussion. <laughs> so there will be spoilers. <laughs> um, but Starstruck is directed by Karen Main uh, and... Written by a variety of people, including uh, Rose Matafeo and others. Uh, Rose Matafeo stars as Jesse. Um, and this uh, also stars Nikesh Patel as Tom, Emma Seedy as Kate, Joe Barnes as Joe, Al Roberts as Ian, and a whole bunch of other 20 something, early 30 something British actors. Uh, including a wild cameo by Minnie Driver. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But Starstruck is the story of Jesse, a 28-year-old New Zealand transplant in London who is out out on New Year's Eve, uh, gets very drunk and goes home with Tom, who, when she wakes up the next day after spending the night with him, realizes that he is Tom Kapoor, uh, up-and-coming movie star. And the two of them then proceed to spend um, the rest of the show and also approximately the rest of the calendar year um, trying to make up excuses about why they wouldn't work as a couple, uh, but also not quite being able to leave each other's orbit. Uh, this is a show about two very hot doofuses who <laughs> have trouble getting it together. And by the end of this show, I loved them. <laughs> oh, good. Whew, I was a little nervous where you were going there. Um, yes, so I had trouble with the first episode, but I think it's just because I, you really spend the first episode kind of calibrating to who Jesse is, who her roommate Kate is, who Tom is, and like just the kind of general sense of where these people are in their lives. Um, Jesse is a bit of a trash person, I think is fair to oh, say. Yeah. Um, this is definitely, it is a show about late 20 somethings who have not figured out where they're going. They haven't really figured out like how to treat human beings. Um, 
And they also haven't really figured out how they deserve to be treated. Um, well, and I think, too, there's an element... So it's kind of interesting, because I think one thing the show balances really well is this, like, you know, a little bit arrested development. But also, I, I think the show does a really neat job making clear that part of what's going on here is that, you know, Jessie is stringing together two part-time jobs. She's, you know, kind of struggling to make rent. And, like, it does... There, there, some of this is Jesse not having her stuff together, and some of this is, you know, the economy she is presented with if she wants to live in London. And I, I found some of, actually, the show's most poignant scenes to be her talking about why am I, you know, driving myself crazy trying to, to live in this place that's, like, impossible to live in if you're not rich. Um, oh, for sure. And I, I don't want to give the impression that I don't feel sympathy for Jesse. I do. And like I said, I I got to love her and Tom and Kate and the whole crew. I got to f- to love them quite deeply by the end of the show. Good. Just in that first episode. Yeah. <laughs> and also, I mean, there are moments in the show where Jesse treats her friends quite badly. Yeah. Um. And it is in a very sort of self-conscious way that I recognize, like, so I'm 35, so I'm not that far away from where Jesse is. And I, like, I'm an older millennial, so I, you know, this, the, the stories in this show are sort of squarely in my wheel. Like, the, the, the creators of the show are pitching it to me and my generation. And she is mean to her friends and she is mean to herself in a way that I recognized just from somebody who like doesn't have great self-esteem has like feels very unsure about her place in the world like she is she is mean to people as a way of kind of controlling her relationships with them and that took me like that took me a little bit just to calibrate to it is not that jesse is a mean person and in fact people care about her quite deeply it is just that she doesn't always think very highly of herself so she ends up being it ends up being hard for her to think that other people could think highly of her yeah and i think that makes sense yeah no that makes sense and i think that's what's so interesting about pitching her as a candidate for a celebrity romance because it's i think one dynamic that works really well in this show is we see jesse's like mountain of insecurities and on the other hand and in which contribute to the fact that here is this like world famous movie star that it should be very validating that you know he is so attracted to her um and they clearly have this connection and jesse it's it's a really interesting dynamic of you know tom is like this like very famous like should be kind of a like cachet in her life and and initially it is she like has a joke about like oh yeah like I get to put that on my, you know, like, I slept with a celebrity. This is kind of cool. But it's interesting because we see as the show evolves, her, like, self-esteem issues, you know, just can absolutely convince her that there's no way someone like Tom would be interested in having a relationship with her. And I think that's one thing that makes 
her reactions to his pretty clear overtures um so understandable and feel so natural and i think it's interesting too on rewatch this actually became clearer than i think it was for me initially but i think the show does a really nice job of putting actual obstacles like obstacles that feel authentic in their way i think uh, oftentimes um you know in romance in rom-coms like there are obstacles put in the way just for romance reasons um but i i think because the show rooted jesse's inability like and and really honestly both her and tom's inability to think that the other person is interested in them out of their low self-esteem it it rooted it just enough that i i could believe that these two dummies couldn't get their act together uh until the very end um they are they are absolute dinguses um (laughs) i think and correct me if i'm wrong i I got the impression that Tom has not been famous all that long. Like that he is, he is just kind of recently coming into his fame. I, I got the impression he's like newly into fame, but like securely into fame. Like, oh yeah. Like he's, yeah. yeah. So he's one of the, one of the episodes deals with Kate and Jesse going to the premiere of his new movie um and where he's like this movie is trash it's it's like a like a fantasy action movie that's kind of like greek mythology themed and my impression of that situation is that that was a movie that somebody told him this will be good for your career but that he maybe didn't have that much control over saying yes to like not the same way that somebody who has the the fame level to like really pick and choose their projects yeah yeah he's definitely it was like a jake gyllenhaal and prince of persia situation where you're yes. like okay you yes know, <laughs> you can't you're not quite there yet to say no um right yeah so, um, yeah but but also what that said to me is that he jesse is seeing this as like you are ridiculously famous I'm not, we, this isn't going to work. And I don't know that that necessarily registers to him at first. Like, I, I don't think that he sees that as an obstacle to them the same way that she does, particularly at the beginning of the show. Right. And I think there's a couple good scenes of like him slowly realizing like how Mm -hmm. much, how much being with him in some ways despite like his wealth and fame like in some ways is a real impediment to her life like that scene where she gets mistaken for being the cleaning person Uh Um, and um you know that scene where she doesn't it end up that she actually has to get him an uber because he gets mobbed yes and so she has to be like all right dude like i'm really mad at you right now but you're not gonna be able to leave here like you can get in my uber you know so i think he kind of he can see those downsides um well and mini driver as his agent needs to tell him like being with you is going to ruin her life right and I, th- I i mean it's it's exaggerated for comedic effect but also she's not entirely wrong like Dating him is not the same for her as dating her is for him. Right. Yeah. But also, 
I was so happy when they figured it out by the end. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because I feel like I, I, I really do think this show does a, a, a very good will they, won't they? Because it, it yes. just gives a, and I think too often in like those, like I always think that the movie Serendipity is a perfect example of this, where that movie absolutely does not work. Literally because Kate Beckinsale and John Cusack do not spend enough time together. So the mm-hmm. will they, won't they is like so tensionless because mm-hmm. you don't actually invest in the relationship. And I think that this movie does a, a really good job of, you know, having us see them together, having us like having these very natural feeling obstacles to them getting together. Um, but like, it also, is. Yeah. Yeah. Keep going. Oh, I was gonna say, but also like letting us see that they would be really good together. And like the moments where they do let their guard down with each other, like at that premiere scene where, this all kind of comes crashing down on Tom and he starts basically having a panic attack on his hotel bed. Um, and we kind of got, we kind of get a glimpse into what they would be like as a couple and it, it makes it compelling. By the time the show ended, like obviously, so Jesse ultimately by the end of the show is like, I have, she decides that she wants to go home to New Zealand because She's lost her job. Um, she can't figure things out with Tom. She's lonely. Like, she's, she's really feeling like she doesn't have anything to show for her time in London and decides that it's time to go home, which was a feeling that I sympathized with very deeply. Like, I can't imagine how hard it must be to be living in a country that's not your home country, that's away from your family, like I never I never studied abroad. I never spent extended amounts of time outside of the country. I have traveled, but only for like leisure. So I I very deeply sympathized with that because I think it must be really hard. Um and then Tom shows up on Christmas Eve because he wants to ask her to go to Ireland with him where he's going to be filming a movie. He ends up eating a brownie and getting very very high. <laughs> And so she ends up babysitting him through the night and then he takes her to the, he rides with her to the airport and then ultimately she stays on the bus with him and they, like the last shot of the show is them kissing on the bus and the implication is that she's going to go to Ireland with him. I realized that the show had done such a good job of showing the growth of these two characters, like both independently and also together, that I would have been sad, but I would have been satisfied if they had not ended up together. Mm. Like, I'm glad that they did. It makes me really happy. But I also felt like the show, they both do such growing over the course of the show that they feel like more complete people at the end. And I would have felt okay about the two of them, like, pursuing their lives as more actualized humans. Am I glad that they get to do it together? Of course. My, my heart <laughs> is not made of stone. <laughs> well, and what's interesting is that, so this was, um, it was actually greenlit for a second season before the first one uh, was, had aired. 
So I I think, I don't know if they knew for sure as they were writing and filming it that they would get a second season, but I'm guessing they probably had a good inkling. Um, so the second season is actually going to air on February 7th, so very soon. Um, and Is it, is it going to follow the same people? Mm-hmm. Yep, so it's going to continue the story. So I'll be really interested because, like, knowing that they had already, like, probably had an inkling they were going to keep this story going. Um, I'm going to be really curious. You know, here, is, here is my fervent desire. Okay. Knowing that there is a second season. I did not know that there was a second season coming up. I thought that this was it. And honestly, I would have kind of been happy if they had left it with this. Although, I, as I finished it, I was like, oh, I'm kind of glad I'll get to go back into this world again. But like, I feel oh, like yeah. this was a very good, complete story. It was, and I love these characters. Now my fear is that they are going to break them up for a stupid reason. Yup, like, mine too. Because because we are left in such a a lovely place romantically, now I'm afraid that because TV never seems to know what to do with like established couples. Right. And fake I don't want this to become a thing where they break up and then have to get back together. Like, no, we've, we already figured it out. Like they're good. Please. And I, I just hope that they know that they're, I hope that the writers know that there are more story opportunities to tell with people in a relationship that are not just, well, let's break them up and then figure out how to get them back together. Yeah. And that they have, although uh, apparently the, I have not had a chance to watch it, but apparently the trailer dropped and it does make me worry that that is the direction that you're going to go in, which is well, so stupid. Um, because as you, as you said before, like, I think that there's a lot of meat and conflict for them to mine that doesn't necessarily have to pivot to, well, now we have to break up. Like, they can deal with the tension between the fact that Tom is still famous, Jesse is still probably feeling unmoored. Like, there there are definitely still things that haven't been resolved yet. And my my wish is for them to explore those things in a way that's not just, well, now we have to break the two of you up. Right, right. That, like, they don't have to have the tension come from, oh, are they going straight together? So, fingers right. crossed. I feel like I will read the reviews and try to try to suss out whether they do indeed break them up over the second season. And if they do, I think I will just end it here. Um, I will probably still watch it because it'll probably still be super short episodes and like a short season. So it's kind of like, well, why not? But my my hope is that they can be better than that. <laughs> me too. Me too. I hope I hope they will you know, continue exploring the other dynamics and not Well, and I mean even like a growing relationship. Like why is that never something that seems to interest storytellers? Like it's like, yes, they're together. They're still like They're figuring it out. They're still figuring it out. Like they Yeah, anyway. Yeah, so yeah. That is Um Yes. Sorry. Oh no, I was just gonna say yeah. So yeah, I, I hope that there is not a a needless breakup in season two. I would like to talk about her about Jesse's friend and coworker from the movie theater whose name I can't remember right uh, now. I think Joe. Is it Joe? Um I 
deeply enjoy it. So Joe's whole thing is that he's in love with Jesse and just sort of passive aggressively like tries to steer her away from other people. And then in the last couple of episodes, he tells her that he's in love with her and she's just like, please make a list of all the things you don't like about me. And he does. And he reads it to her. And after he finishes, he's like, ah, I'm over you. (laughs) Which I thought was an incredible way of of subverting that. Um, Because I... I don't love the like, we've been friends for so long and I'm in love with you. It's like, just let men and women be friends, like calm down. Um, And yeah, I just enjoyed the like, oh, well, now that I've thought about all of the ways that you annoy me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was a very nice, like growth of a, of a nice guy. You know, I thought that was like, and, and they made like, there were a couple moments where Joe did some really, like he does at one point uh kind of stop Jesse and Tom's relationship from progressing by um implying to Tom that this guy Jesse is kind of casually sleeping with Dan um is her new boyfriend and um but I did enjoy from there that like, he did get that moment of... And also, like, despite, like, his own terrible actions, they also kind of treat him terribly. Oh, like, yeah. Like, there's a scene where they host a murder mystery party, and the way that Jesse's and Jesse's roommate treat him, you know, they really treat him like their, like, extra friend. Um, the thing, The thing is, though... That Jesse and Kate treat everyone like that. Like <laughs> that was that was one of the things that I kind of had to calibrate to is that they're horrible to everyone, including each other and themselves. So it's like, yes, they definitely treat Joe like this sort of friend of convenience, but they're also just mean to everybody. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I did enjoy that the the direction they decided to go was like Joe actually getting to be a person and not like just this trope. Um, how did we feel about the depiction of millennials and all of our struggles and <laughs> Yeah. Did this I, actually did this did this feel like it was written either by somebody who is a millennial or someone who actually knows and thinks of millennials as people? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I think it, it felt pretty authentic. Um and I mean, you know, Rose Matafeo is, you know, herself in her late twenties. So I think it mm-hmm. you know, it did really feel like from lived experiences. Um and I think that, yeah, it kind of had a, showed a lot of the challenges of the gig economy. Um, you know, there's a lot of scenes with, like, Jesse, you know, trying to piece together her work or, you know, Jesse screwing up because, you know, she has to keep track of two different work schedules. Um, and some of that 
is on her and some of that is like the challenge of of balancing all these things um one interesting quirk to this i think is that you know they're in the uk so they wouldn't have to worry about health insurance um so in some ways i think the show would actually be a lot more bleak in the u.s um that was the one thing that i was like oh they don't talk about health insurance oh yeah that's right they they just have that nice old thing. To. Yeah, they have that nice <laughs> old thing called national health care. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I thought that making her a nanny was really interesting. Um, especially when she has the conversation with her employer towards the end where she ends up getting fired. Because <laughs> her employer is like, I took a chance on you and you didn't seem to give a, you didn't seem to have it together, but it basically, it was like, well, I have tolerated your BS long enough and now we're done. (laughs) (laughs) Which honestly watching her in her capacity as a nanny through the rest of the show is like, that's fair. (laughs) Yeah. You you can see it coming. Um, but yeah, it was just also interesting to me because I feel like in the U.S. it is pretty standard for immigrants to take nanny jobs. And I did not, I guess, kind of clock that that was true in other places. So that was interesting to to think about. Maybe just for me. Yeah, no, I think that was really interesting to think about. Like, yeah, that, you know, that kind of work that would be open to her. Um, and I mean, she, you know, works at a movie theater, um, and I don't know, you know, like what type of visa, I guess one thing that would be interesting is, you know, hearing about the visa that she would have to go through. Although, you know, maybe like Commonwealth something, something she doesn't need, like the visa requirements aren't as stringent. I don't know. Although now that, now that Britain has gone through Brexit, I don't know if that changes everything. Yeah, I don't know if that changes things with the Commonwealth. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how British passports work. It it was interesting to me that she is old enough that they couldn't make her a student. Because, like, I feel like that would have been sort of an easy angle for them to take, is, like, if she was here to study. Right. And she's not. It's just, I felt like, I felt like not being at home for a while. Yeah, and it, yeah, it's kind of interesting that we, yeah, it's only kind of alluded to her, like, desire to get out of New Zealand. Um, We don't, you know, really hear the, I think there's, like, one scene where she talks about, like, everyone just told her that she should spend some time outside of New Zealand. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, we don't we don't hear a lot of the specific story of how she came there, how she got hooked up with this job, how she met Kate. Like we kind of we don't get any of that context, which is interesting because yeah, these relationships definitely feel lived in. So you also wonder, you know, how long she's been there. That is something I would enjoy from the second season is maybe seeing some flashbacks to like her first her like the beginning of her time in London and how she and Kate met. And I would love to see the interview 
for her nanny and I Joe. know, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think that'd be really fun. Um And you could totally you could totally balance that out with flashbacks to how like Tom got started in acting. I don't know. I feel like that would be that would be an interesting thing to explore is like where the two of these people came from. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I think yeah, I think that'd be really fun. Uh, what did we... Th- oh, sorry. Oh, I was going to say, I think one thing we didn't talk about was, kind of interestingly, uh, Jesse's arc with Tom is in some ways contrasted with Kate or Kate's arc with... Oh, gosh, what's his name? Ian? Ian. And I thought that was hilarious that, um, you know, at first Kate seems really bored by Ian, but the, like, the second he expresses interest in her, she's like, oh, okay. And then she just kind of keeps him around. (laughs) Yeah, it felt like stability was sort of a key motivator in many of our characters, which, again, is something that I identify with pretty deeply. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it was kind of a, an interesting contrast to, you know, here, Jesse and Tom are going through all this, will they, won't they? And, you know, this whole same calendar year, Kate picks up this guy on New Year's Eve, too, and she just is like, oh, okay, you're around now. <laughs> like, And he's, yeah, he sticks around, and it's just, like, very generally, like, good-natured and really likes Kate, and yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I thought that was kind of a fun, like... You know, kind of showing the different ways that, like, relationships happen and... Well, and in a lot of ways, like, Kate also, um, she, she, Kate delivers stuff, right? Like, she works for delivery? Well, I think she helps run a flower shop. So okay. I think she gives Jesse the delivery job as, like, part of the operations of this flower shop. Got it. But yeah, Kate is not really, like, Kate lives in the same apartment with Jesse. Like, it's not like she is totally got it together. But also in a lot of ways, she definitely has it more together than Jesse does. Um, but not in, like, a now we're getting married and buying a house kind of way. It's just, oh, I think Kate is better at, like being in a relationship it it i don't know i'm not saying this very well well i think kate, like- kate and jesse are not super different in terms of like their temperament or the kinds of people that they are but there's clearly something about maintaining a like steady relationship that comes more easily to kate than it does to jesse and having them be side by side during their two different relationship experiences was very interesting to me. Yeah, and I think it was interesting because you kind of could see that, you know, as much as Jesse loves Kate and Kate loves her, she does feel this pressure of, oh, well, my friend has a steady job and a steady boyfriend and can pay rent and like doesn't have to worry about that. Um, You know, that's kind of in some ways like putting the pressure on her of wow I don't have steady work I don't have a steady boyfriend I like am feeling pretty rootless Mm -hmm. 
So yeah, I thought that was kind of an interesting. And I guess for me, like as someone who, you know, have had has had like two jobs since I graduated college, and you know has, you know, had a relationship going on ten years now. I like, and in, in some ways, I related to a lot of Jesse's turmoil, but in others, it was like, whoa, I just had a very different twenties experience. Um. Not to not to say mine, you know, not to put any moral judgment on it. Just like that is, so it was kind of interesting to see. Yeah, there are all these different shades of, you know, people just kind of figuring it out through their twenties, and then you know, I'm sure into their thirties. We'll see as the series progresses. Yeah, although I did have to. I did have to scream into a pillow at the point when Jesse was like, "I'm so old." <laughs> Like, girl, girl, you're 28. <laughs> Calm down. I know. I had a moment. I, like, literally felt so old. Uh, Pete and I had a moment. This, actually, it might have just been last night. We couldn't remember how old we were. And so we actually had to do the math. Uh, both, of us have, both of us have birthdays <laughs> coming up in March. And we literally, like, I had to do the math to be like, Okay, yes, that Pete, that's gonna be your thirty fourth birthday. Okay, and I'm gonna turn thirty three. Okay, okay. Like we literally I literally had to sit there and do that. I was gonna say, I'm turning thirty five this year and Pete is a year younger than me, so <laughs> uh but yeah, that made me feel old. I was like, Oh god, I'm old enough not to remember my age and not even just being coy. Like I literally could not remember. This is wild to me. <laughs> I feel like I turned... Well, part of it, I think, is COVID, but I feel like, yeah, I turned 30, and uh, I, I can't remember how many birthdays I've had since then. I'm going to start sending you email brain exercises just to, <laughs> just to make sure your brain meets stay up to date. Oh, well, thank you. I'd appreciate that. <laughs> Um. Yeah, do we have any other thoughts? What did we think of the clothing in this show? Oh my god, I wanted like all her outfits. <laughs> I can't believe she gave them to a second hand store. Like I can because I have definitely been through the I have to get rid of everything I own phase mm. of depression. Like I get it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I am obsessed with the sparkly dress she wears in the first episode. Oh, and it's that, so good. It's, the New Year's Eve dress? Yes, it's so good. And I couldn't believe she gave it away. I was like, no! So I was well, so glad and, when Kate bought it back for her. <laughs> yes. I mean, that was also the dress that she first met Tom in. And mm. she sold it when she was feeling bad about Tom. Again, this is a breakup. This is a breakup thing. That's true. I do remember. Okay, so I... Sorry. This is my brain. Sometimes latches on and does not forget some really weird details. Uh, I did remember the outfit that I met Pete in. It was not cute. cute. It, it was <laughs> not a cute outfit because I had been teaching all day. Uh, but it was a, like, blouse I had bought as part of my first teaching wardrobe. 
this pair of like black fared pants and this black cardigan. And I do remember getting rid of that shirt and being like, oh, I met Pete in this shirt. <laughs> um, but it was not a cute shirt. So I did not have that much pain <laughs> putting it in the Goodwill pile. <laughs> But I did, I, that is a good point. I, I did, like, have the significance of, like, oh, yeah. So, and I did, so the next week when I met Pete for the second time, I, like, dressed up a little. Um, and that dress I do still have. It was also my eighth grade graduation dress. I've gone through a lot in that dress. That dress has been there for me. I just would like to take a moment <laughs> to recognize the fact that you still fit into a dress that you could wear in eighth grade? <laughs> oh, I no longer do. In the oh. in the ten years since this has happened, I no longer do. But when I was twenty two, I could still fit into this dress. Okay, I was about to say, my love, it has been more than ten years <laughs> since you were in eighth grade. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then I realized what we were actually talking. Yes, about. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Mar Martin can fit into this dress in two thousand three when she graduated eighth grade. And 2012, when she met Pete, uh, 2022, Myron cannot fit in this dress. But I have kept it. I also, I think I went, did I go to my high school graduation dress too in this dress? I can't, that I can't remember. But I bought it at, like, the equivalent of a Goodwill when I lived in England and graduated middle school. And, yeah. So that dress has seen at least two important mar moments of Myron's life. Yeah, I don't. Maybe just because I have gone through so many body size changes, I and it makes me sad to keep clothing that I like that I don't fit in anymore. I get rid of everything. <laughs> if it, yeah, yeah um, that's probably smart. Yeah, the the biggest thing is that it makes me sad if I if I really like something and I don't fit into it anymore. I used to keep them because I'm like I'll lose weight, and then it's like, well, you, I don't. It's because losing weight is hard and it sucks and it makes me unhappy to try. So then it's always like, well, I don't want to keep it around because it makes me sad to have it. Mm. Um, yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah. And then, you know, every once in a while I'm like, eh, how much, like, this is just taking up closet space. Um, it's just like sitting in the back of my closet. Um, so yeah. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, there's a certain amount of, you know, you get, you have, you have different relationships with those items and clothes particularly, because it is, you know, I remember on one episode of the home edit, one of their clients had this skirt she was very sentimentally attached to, but could no longer fit in. And so they actually framed it. Um, Aww. And I thought that was really interesting. Because, yeah, it's like, it's interesting how, like, you do have these memories with clothes, but, like, also clothes are meant to be worn, and so, like, keeping them, yeah, it can be really, a really fraught proposition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I couldn't, sorry, bringing back to Star Trek, I could not believe she gave away that dress. That dress was beautiful. <laughs> was, it was. I was so mad at her. Um, I also appreciated that everyone in the show looks like a real person. Yes. Um, like, Jessie is beautiful, but she is beautiful in a way that, like, I could be friends with her. <laughs> Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, that makes absolute sense. 
Well, and I feel like Nikesh Patel has a very, like, yes, he's a very chiseled, handsome face, but he also has an approachability. He is very attractive. Yeah. Just, just FYI. Yeah. And I was also very grateful. So he is also in the Hulu Four Runnings in a Funeral miniseries. Uh, uh-huh. And his character in that series, honestly, I think this is... You know, a similar character, actually, weirdly. Uh, this character is, like, a better version of that character. Um, who is just, like, inexplicably awful. Um, but, like, also, Nikesh Patel is trying to, like, weave his charm. And it's like, no, man, like, your character's doing awful things. Like, your little smile is not gonna get my sympathy here. But, yeah, so it's... <laughs> It's really nice. Yeah, actually, like, I literally wonder if the writer's room sat down and said, your character on Four Wings and a Funeral sucked. How would we make him better? Um, anyway, that's a digression for another day. But, uh, yeah, he does have a very just, like, charming and down-to-earth approachable vibe for being, you know, amazingly handsome. Yes. (laughs) Um, so, Marin, what would you recommend to our listeners to enjoy after they have finished blitzing their way through Starstruck? <laughs> uh, so, I have already, unfortunately, burned through my very favorite celebrity romance as a recommendation on the show, uh, Idol by Kristen Callahan. But I'm going to recommend another also very good celebrity romance um, called <laughs> Infinity Plus One by Amy Harmon. Um, it is a new adult book, so it kind of straddles the line between uh, YA and adult romance. Um, but it is about a superstar, Bonnie Ray Shelby, who um, ends up running away uh, and ends up running into a guy named Finn Clyde. And so they, as their name suggests, kind of become this Bonnie and Clyde uh, on this, you know, country ride road trip while also she is a celebrity that is missing that everyone is looking for. Um, So it's a very, I think I really, I actually reread it fairly recently and yeah, it's a, it's a really lovely, um, pretty emotionally, like, rich uh, celebrity romance. So, Infinity Plus One by Amy Harmon. Um, Martha, what would you recommend? Uh, well, I also have a road trip book. Uh, <laughs> this is... <laughs> that is so funny uh, that we both pick road trip books for the show that is so about staying in a, in yes. a place. <laughs> well, so the book that I bring to the table today is called Paper Hearts by Allie Novak. Uh, It is technically number two in her Heartbreakers Chronicles series, but I have not read the first one yet, and I think that it works just as well as a standalone book. Uh, So it is about Felicity, who is a senior in high school, has everything planned out. She's got a job working for a not-for-profit. She's saving money for college. She's going to get out of her tiny little California town. And... One evening, she is at a charity ball working uh, the coat check uh, and accidentally runs into the lead singer of a very, very famous boy band. 
his name is Alec, and they have kind of instant chemistry, but because she is working and he is like a guest there, things are sort of awkward. Um, but after their sort of chance meeting, a number of things happen that throws the two of them together on a road trip to go find Felicity's missing sister. <laughs> um, basically, like, the two of them hit it off. He shows up at her house while she is on her way out to go find her sister because of, like, deep, dark family secrets that she's just found out and can't get in touch with her sister, so she's going to drive from Chicago, I believe it's from California to Portland. Um, and Alec is basically like, well, I'll take you. <laughs> uh, it is very cute. <laughs> um, I believe the whole, like, the Heartbreakers is the name of the boy band, so each of the books in the series is about one of the singers, one of the boys in the boy band, and their sort of romantic escapades. Um, but yes, it's very cute. It's very fun. Felicity is wonderful because she's like, I have no time for the fact that you're famous. Like, you're very attractive. And I know that I should be like starstruck or whatever, but I got stuff to do. And Alec is here for it. He's like, you know what? That's cool. You're really interesting and charming and beautiful. Like, of course I will help you find your missing sister. So yes, very, very fun. Paper Hearts by Ali Novak. So funnily enough, you described this and it's starting to sound familiar to me. And I realized I have read the first one in the series, but not this one. <laughs> and I do remember enjoying the first one very much. Yeah, I believe that the relationship that starts in the first one is still present in the second one. Okay. So it's like, it's about another member of this band and how he meets this girl and in the paper hearts the two of them are still together so i also enjoy that that these books are like about boys that are good yeah. <laughs> and and like their like their girlfriends <laughs> yeah i do remember the first one being very cute uh, Ali Novak also started writing on Wattpad, so she is a, uh, you know, s comes up from self-publishing and is now, you know, a pretty well-recommended YA author. Um, and I do believe, and I think part of why I read it is I do actually believe she is from or has Wisconsin connections. Oh, nice yeah um i can see that like her book takes place in california but felicity has sort of a, a midwest vibe about her i can see that um so for our next episode we are diverging a little bit from our central thesis we will be watching a it w we will be watching a wide release movie that is now available to rent on Prime. Um, I do just want to quick point out that there is precedent for this. We did do Book Smart for this podcast, <laughs> so <laughs> this is not totally unheard of. Um, but we are going to be watching and trying to see if we can make heads or tails of Dear Evan Hansen. Which is. 
it's it's gonna be a ride <laughs> uh until then if you are looking for more content you should check out our sister show did you do your homework which updates on this same feed on opposing weeks uh i host that show with pete uh maran's husband our last episode was about stories that know that they are stories. And our next episode is going to be about pop culture twins and the ones that don't make it. So we're talking about your Armageddons versus your Deep Impacts. <laughs> uh, you can follow us on all of our social media feeds at DYDYH Podcast. Uh, and you can follow me individually on social media at Magical Martha. I tweet mostly about, oh goodness, I talk about movies that I want to be watching. Um, I have recently decided that this year I'm going to watch a movie that I haven't seen before from every year since I was born up till now, and I kicked it off today with broadcast news from 1987. So, you know, strong start. Marn, where can people find you? Uh, yeah, folks can find me on Twitter uh, at A underscore star underscore dance, uh, where I pretty much only tweet about romance novels these days. So if that interests you, feel free to give me a follow. What? Uh, what is the, is there any current drama out of Romance Landia these days? Oh, there's always drama. Uh, <laughs> there was a tweet the other day that got backlash and then backlash to the backlash, uh, about, uh, a, a person new to the genre. Oh, honestly, I'm just going to give up. <laughs> it was a whole thing. <laughs> yep. There's always stuff with Romance Landia, but it's always interesting. Keeps you on your toes. I, th I saw that Courtney Milan was embroiled in some sort of, um, I should be very careful how I say this, because Courtney Milan was not the one accused of plagiarism. Right. She was embroiled in somebody else's plagiarism scandal. I would never besmirch the name of Courtney Milan. Yeah, I, and it, it was a pretty wide-ranging <laughs> one. Yeah, I did forget that that one just came to light. Yeah. So, yes, always... Always interesting stuff happening in the world of romance. Uh, every once in a while, I dip my toe into librarian drama on Twitter, and then I just, I, I have to go <laughs> because <laughs> I deal with that too much in my, uh, in my daily and professional life. Um, oh, I also write a newsletter sometimes when I feel like it. It's tinyletter.com backslash magical martha the last issue that i wrote was about all of the holiday movies that i watched in december um i will probably do an issue about my feelings about oscar movies as soon as those are announced on february 8th uh and i think that is going to do it for us uh thank you all so much for listening i hope that you are all safe and warm in this time of winter storms um we will see you next time and until then just remember that we love ya i started to lose the thread there for a minute but i i think i recovered strong you did you did okay yay well yay i'm glad you enjoyed this one i was a little i did 
I was I wasn't sure how this was gonna go. Yeah, I like I said, I needed the first episode to kind of warm up to it, and then after that, it was like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. And, I did. Oh, boy. We will feel like I will need a very large glass of wine for <laughs> So, have you, like, what is your exposure level to Dear Evan Hansen? I mean, I've listened like to the, the soundtrack. Um, okay. So, I know, not for a while, so I don't know how much I remember, but I, I have listened to the whole thing. I listened to the soundtrack, which I, I think is a really good soundtrack. It is. It is. Those, those and guys then, know how to write a song. See, I just rewatched The Greatest Showman. Oh. Well, so the, I mean, the Broadway soundtrack is not by those guys. Oh, I thought is it was. I no, I think they... They did the movie soundtrack, but oh. I don't think those are the same. Okay, interesting. Um, but yeah, so I listened to the Broadway score, and I was like, like I really enjoyed it. And then I read the synopsis of the story, and it I was like, wild. "What the fuck?" <laughs> yes, it is wild. Um, so I, <laughs> yeah, it was. Just very much like, I'm sorry. What? Yup. Are, are you sure? <laughs> you want to? You want to take any of that back? <laughs> um. So yes, we will see. <laughs> well, I'm just I'm curious the way that one is curious about a right. car crash. <laughs> I know, right? Or you just can't. You, you just can't look away. I need to see it. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> All right. Well, I will let you go. And I will talk to you again soon. Yeah, talk to you soon. Have a good rest of your night. Thanks, you too. Thanks. Bye. All right. Good night.